Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. This is Kim Greenhouse, and this is one of the most important subjects. Some dear friends of mine wrote their autobiography and took years to write it, and hundreds of pages of their autobiography was lifted from a new writer that became a well-known author and now is being made into a movie with people that have grossed some of the biggest sales in movie history. I won't mention names because I can be sued for that. And they have suffered for the last two years going from attorney to attorney who tell them that at the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, all of the copyright theft cases are thrown out, which really is a precedent-setting thing that tells the public it's okay. The publishers know about it and are complicit in it. The movie houses, a lot of them are complicit in it. It really disturbed me, and I have been looking for precedent-setting cases and experiences by people that would be big enough to blow your minds to get you to pay attention to this. Today, we've invited Sophia Stewart, the real mother of the Matrix, the person that wrote the Matrix, that also wrote Terminator, and has been through a massive amount of legal experience trying to claim her copyrights from the studios, and they know who they are. We're going to hear about what happens in Hollywood history, how she has taken back her power, what has happened to her. What is available to you, the public, when your works have been taken from you? She's considered a child prodigy, a prolific writer, a poet. Some call her a creative genius. She has a Bachelor of Arts degree in journalism and a minor in law in psychology. And she studied under the guidance of many celebrated authors and writers, such as Max Siegel, a former journalist of the New York Times, publisher, editor, essayist, and critic, Emily Capua, and Paul Cherry, a playwright for Broadway. She has served as an intern in television for public broadcasting station WNET 13, where she worked with Oscar-winning film documentary producer Perry Miller Adato. Her graduating class was honored with a special letter of citation from President Jimmy Carter. In 1979, her writing skills motivated her to move from New York to Los Angeles, where she studied cinema at the University of Southern California. And here she worked with producer Leon Roth, father of Eric Roth, screenwriter of the movie Forrest Gump. And in the early 80s, she started writing professionally. It was through her association with Janet Jackson that she became involved in a special project that enabled her to write her first television script titled My Special Love and Blue Short. She also had an opportunity to work at Columbia Pictures in the office of Vice President Dick Barris. And it was at Columbia Pictures where Dick Barris supported her aspirations to write her first draft scripts. She has worked for celebrities such as Dick Barnett, Louis Gossett Jr., and Shelley Winters. She has a very, very diverse background. She's won lots of awards. She was even nominated for an international award called Lifting Up the World with a Oneness Heart an award offered to people who've made exceptional contributions to the human family. Some of the receivers of this award have been Nelson Mandela, Mikhail Gorbachev, Mother Teresa, Pope John Paul, Jesse Jackson, and many others. She has also written her epic, The Third Eye, while she was studying cinema at USC. She is the author of Matrix 4, The Evolution, Cracking the Genetic Code. Ladies and gentlemen, listen very carefully. This woman is really setting precedent in copyright history. Welcome, Sophia Stewart, to It's Rainmaking Time. Good morning. 
Yeah, good morning, and thank you. Thank you for having me here. Copyright law and the copyright universe seems to be an extremely slippery slope when you try to claim your rights to something that you've written or created. Why is that so? Well, that's because of a lack of knowledge, because most people have to depend on attorneys. I'm a paralegal, so it's easy for me to obtain my copyrights back, to take all my rights back from these people who stole from me. But most people have to go to attorneys, and when you go to attorneys, a majority of the attorneys are bought out, or they won't take your case, or if you have no money, they won't help you. There are some who will do pro bono. And then these studios and these production companies who make millions and billions of dollars can pretty much pay off anybody. They paid off media and lawyers and judges on my case at the tune of over $300 million trying to suppress my case, trying to suppress the truth. But me having a genius in law and having a genius in writing, that's knowledge. So I went out and I got the trademarks. I went out and I copyrighted all the derivatives. Uh, Instead of trying to fight them in a court arena, which that's their own turf, I just pretty much reversed the whole thing on them. But one thing, when I discovered in 1999 the theft of the Matrix, because I didn't know anything about the Terminator was stolen from me yet, As soon as I contacted the legal department at Warner Brothers, they immediately offered to pay me. And they gave me an in-house attorney named Julie Newlack. She told me she was an honest lawyer, an honest person, because there are honest cops, honest judges, honest lawyers, honest all kinds of people out there. So there are good people that will help you when you're pursuing anything or pursuing your rights. Anyway, she told me to abort the settlement. She asked me if I still had the copyrighted work, and I said yes. Next thing I did was, since I studied criminal law and corporative law and entertainment law and some of the most brilliant lawyers, so I already knew law, so I called up the U.S. Attorney's Office, and I told the prosecutor, Elizabeth Ann Stevens, that I'm Sophia Stewart. I wrote The Matrix. Would you like to prosecute the case? And she said yes. And She told me to take it over to the FBI, and they did the investigation, and they found out not only did I write The Matrix, but I wrote The Terminator also. When it came time for them to prosecute the case, the U.S. Attorney's Office, Greg Diamond and Elizabeth Ann Stevens, got bought off. So I then knew that I had to take care of it myself. So I filed a lawsuit in 2003, actually April the 24th, 2003, And my judge was Judge Terry Hatter, Jr. Johnny Cochran called for my case, and he was going to do my case. And, of course, he died before he could do the case. I was the last case that he called for on record. His publicist, Terry Williams, is the one that hooked the thumb. To make a long story short, I asked the judge to order, uh, what order RICO served on the defendant. Please explain that. What is RICO? Uh, RICO is called racketeering influence corrupted organization. And it's the RICO law is the law that was used to put the mafia in jail. That's how Al Capone went to jail. That's how John Gotti went to jail. These notorious mob figures that you know in history and so forth. Anytime someone is operating on a white collar crime level 
where they're stealing millions or billions of dollars. This is how Bertie Madoff went to jail under the RICO law. So it's, it's big. It's a very, very incredible, serious law. So this is big. It's huge. Yes, and I understand this law. I understand criminal law and how it functions. So the judge told me, Terry Hatter Jr., he has 20 questions, Sophie. If you can answer these 20 questions, then I will court order RICO served on the defendants. I answered the questions, and they were served with RICO. That means that they were going to go to jail because it was criminal copyright infringement, and the FBI had already validated the theft, and the FBI had already came in and shut them down from doing any more counterfeiting. They couldn't do any more counterfeiting of any more movies. What do you mean when you refer to counterfeiting of movies? Selling it? Making duplicates? What do you mean? That's right. Anytime you have a copyright, it's protected by the Library of Congress, by the federal government. And that's why no one should do a poor man's copyright, period. Because that's pure ignorance. If you do a poor man's copyright where you mail it to yourself and register it and mail it to yourself, that means absolutely diddly squat nothing. So I don't even know why they put it in the book and tell people to do that. The only time the FBI will come and investigate your case is if you have federal copyrights. And those copyrights, they're good for 75 years. They protect your work for 75 years. If you go to the writer's guild, your work is only going to be protected for six years, and then you have to re-register them and pay them another fee. When you pay at the copyright office, you're paying for 75 years, and you can renew every 75 years. If you live to be 150, <laughs> right? Well, that's right. That's right. But it's a legacy to your children and your right. grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and any family member that you leave it to, they can continue to renew forever. So you can own a copyrighted work forever. It's a legacy. It's very important. And this is why they want to steal it, because the copyright is like a pie. You can get many derivatives from that pie. Whatever you start out with, whether it's a book, a short story, a script treatment. In my case, I wrote a script treatment in a book. And my copyrights were 81, 83, and 84, meaning 75 years consecutively, 75 years each, every copyright. So there's no way in the world they can steal that from me. It's not going to happen because I'm well-versed in criminal law. So it's a theft. Someone steal your car. You don't need a judge to give you your car back. You have a VIN number and a title of ownership, you can go pick up your car. What you're going into court for is damages. And this is the ignorance of people who don't understand law. I didn't go to court to fight over who owned the Matrix of Terminator, who wrote it. They already knew, and I already knew. They offered me money, so they already knew I wrote it. What I was going for was the damages for taking my car for a a joyride. I want to clarify something with you, Sophia, for the audience. Now, both Terminator and The Matrix were such big profit-making films in Hollywood, the biggest profit-making films in Hollywood's history that grossed over $25 billion, won four Oscars, and is still generating international funds. Beside the fact that they tried to settle with you, how do you know that they know they did it? In my book, The Third Eye, all the court documents and FBI validation doesn't fit. 
and the documents were all there. People are buying the book around the globe and buying since 05. The Terminator defendants told Judge Morrow, the second judge on the case, and it can be validated with the transcript, which is in the book, that they stole the Terminator 18-odd years from me, and they wanted her to shut the case down on the statutes of limitations. They had stolen the James Bond franchise from the real James Bond, and they were using his case to get the judge to dismiss my case on the statutes of limitations in the last few laws. And Judge Morrow told them that that was criminal. That was a crime to admit to a federal judge that you stole something. That's willful intent. And that the statute of limitations doesn't start ticking to the moment the victim discovers the theft, not when you commit the act. And she's saying the Latchy laws don't apply to criminals, to theft and fraud. There is no statute of limitations on theft and fraud. This is what most common people don't understand or don't know the law. And the Matrix defendants told the judge that they had already paid me, they had already settled with me, and that they had a gag order in place. And then Judge Morrow told them that the gag order did not apply because I had avoided the settlement, that I didn't take the money, I didn't settle with them. See, now, they were trying to get my whole pie, the copyrights, which are worth billions of dollars, they were trying to get it for 5 to $7 million. But I was doing taxes when I was 11 years old. I was already doing H&R Block before H&R Block even existed. <laughs> I was getting paid to do adult taxes because they didn't understand taxes. And I was doing payroll for a company paying grown people's salaries, creating the checks. I scored a 98 on the IRS exam. I'm a polymath, like mathematician, just like Leonardo da Vinci, quantum <laughs> physics, and ancient sacred geometry. I scored like two points, that's a 100 points on the IRS exam. Sophia, are you sure you're from this planet? I'm no. definitely from this planet, <laughs> my DNA. My grandmother was full-blooded Cherokee, Cherokee Nation. And my father is Spanish. So my gift comes from my ancestors, the natives, the Indians, the American natives. So that blood, that's where I get my gift of second sight. So it comes through my DNA. So, yes, my gifts are there. I am gifted in law. I won the lawsuit against Jonathan LaBelle. The damages could exceed up to $1.8 billion. I had my attorney court-ordered off the case right in front of witnesses. and. Asked for a show cause, which is a default judgment, is what I won. The judge issued a show cause. None of the defendants show up on January the 11th, 2012, that they all lose by default judgment. And that he would strike every one of their answers like they never put one in. And on January the 11th, none of them showed up. So I won a default judgment against Jonathan LaBelle. So now what does this mean? Now, Jonathan LaBelle is who? Jonathan LaBelle was one of my former attorneys. I had four attorneys that were working for me on the 2003-4 California case. We're going to call it the 2004 because everybody remembers that year. Is this against the Matrix team? This was the Matrix whole case right here. Now, the FBI had already given me the evidence to get the damages. This is a damage case. It's not a case for merit. 
because they already know who wrote The Matrix and Terminator. This is a damage case for money. When I went in there, you know, it was already validated by the FBI. My attorneys didn't put in the evidence. They bought the six movies from Best Buy, charged me $284.54, and never entered them. They had all the evidence from the FBI, but would never enter it. And the judge blamed all of this on me instead of my four attorneys. She blamed that I would not put in the evidence, and so that's how the case got dismissed. But see, there is no legal basis for the judge to shut the case down on the summary judgment when the FBI are the ones holding the evidence. A federal judge knows that the federal case had already been done on this before we got to court. She was supposed to call the FBI in and look at the evidence. She even said in her 52-page ruling, had my attorney put the movies in, just the six movies by themselves, which is undisputed, it has the copyright expression, including enter the Matrix video game. They all have the one minute and 45 seconds of the protection expression that proves that I am the copyright owner and writer. One of my attorneys, Dean Webb, said that they had been compromised by Warner Brothers. The Warner Brothers had paid them to sabotage the case and not enter the evidence. It was all this ignorance on the Internet that I didn't show up for my court hearing and the case was dismissed. No cases are dismissed if people don't show up for court hearings or conferences, especially when they have four attorneys and four different law firms defending them. That is ludicrous and ignorant. And that's what's all over the Internet. No one, a snoops or whatever they're called, has never spoken to me, have never even asked what happened, have never even asked for federal documents, that the transcript, read my book or any of my books. You had shared with me yesterday in our brief conversation that the attorneys that came supposedly to defend you actually were working for the other side. How do you know that? I can tell you how I know that. When the judge, Terry Hatter Jr., court-ordered RICO served on the defendants, one of brother's attorneys, because they all, eight defendants had the same attorney, James Cameron, Galen Hurd, Joe Silvers, Andy and Larry Wachowski, all of these people had the same Fox. They all had the same lawyer, Bruce Isaac. Isaac and Wyman, Wyman and Isaac, law firm. Bruce Isaac called me up and said to me that Fox and Warner Brothers cannot beat the RICO. That's going to send them to jail. And they want to know, would you drop the RICO? They were offering me money to drop the RICO to keep from going to jail because it was straight up theft. And they had already admitted it to the judge. And I said, no, I'm not dropping the RICO. And that's when they sent these four attorneys, Michael Stoller, Dean Webb, Gary S. Brown, and Jonathan LaBelle. Now, Jonathan LaBelle and Michael Stoller and Gary Brown and the judge had all worked with Warner Brothers. So the judge should have recused herself, Judge Morrow, because she had already worked for the studio. But she didn't. Now... These attorneys shouldn't have even worked for me if they had already worked for one of us before they were hired. Even Dean Webb, they had formed out some work for him through the Scientology. They were all Scientologists. Judge Morrow and our late husband, Judge Paul Bowen, 
Taylor, Scientologist. Gary Brown, Scientologist. Michael Stoller, Scientologist. Jonathan LaBelle worked for the Scientologist Church. They were all church members. What does that mean to you, that they were all Scientologists, and why is that relevant? In other words, why are you giving it emphasis? It's relevant because the Scientology Church was deeply involved in the theft. They had an ad, L. Ron Hubbard, called Writers of the Future, and I was the writer of the future. I ended that contest. That's where the Wachowskis had that ad looking for a manuscript to do into a comic book. So this is how all of these people were involved through the Scientology Church. And the FBI and I have the validated proof besides their own confession in the courts. They've already confessed. You can't get rid of the transcript after you've made a confession to a federal judge. Larry and Andy Wilchowski lost the 2004 California case off the bat in Warner Brothers. They had 30 days to answer the amended complaint. They didn't answer at all because the Wachowskis never had a copyright. They never had nothing at the Library of Congress. James Cameron didn't have a copyright. Once you admit to stealing, and he had already admitted that he had stolen some of Harlan Ellison's teleplay from the two old black and white out of limits, Demon with a Glass Hand, and Soldier. He had used some of about $85,000 worth. Paul Ellison is not a co-author of The Terminator. They only used $85,000 worth of his teleplay. And they paid him. And they put him on the product and gave him some royalties and then took his name off. End of story for him. I wrote a naked microchip clone cyborg naked without chains. Microchip. Not the visionary H.G. Wells' old Iron Age concept. No 50 writers were putting anything naked on the screen. They were not even putting a husband and wife in the same bed. They were not even putting a toilet on the screen. They didn't know anything about microchips. And we're talking about Rod Sterling, H.G. Wells. We're talking about Roger Corman, Wes Craven, Ray Bradbury. Paul and Ellison, none of these guys knew anything about the digital age. In 1980, I was playing computer games and knew about the microchips. In my third iBook, which have the copyrights 81, 83, and 84, I am talking about digital downloading. I am talking about the barcodes and scanners that scan your food and x-ray scanners. I'm talking about computerized warfare with the drones. I'm talking about where Trinity Tiles came to download me so I can fly this helicopter. I am talking about the Trilateral Commission, the Illuminati, the Federal Reserve, the programming with the, the machines. I wrote The Second Coming of Christ, The Evolutions of Consciousness, Man versus the Machine. In other words, Revelation says that Christ would come back. I said, what would happen when Christ came back, born of a woman, matrix is Latin for womb, in Exodus 34th chapter 19th verse, God said, He who opens the matrix or mind, born with souls, and that the machines are soulless, that they would be cloned, looking like humans, the artificial intelligence, microchips out, but they would be soulless because they had no soul, no empathy, no sympathy, no love. And that Neo is just an anagram or a sneaky way of calling him the one, that Sarah Connor is Neo's mother. 
that John Connors, J.C., Jesus Christ, is equal to Neo, one and the same. That I wrote about the journey or the path of the one or the journey of Neo or the path of the one. And that John Connors grows up to be Neo in the Matrix. That it's time travel, past, present, and future. And that the Terminator is the prequels to the Matrix. One epic story. That the Terminator come from the machine planet. They have their own machine planet that governs the machine and technology. And one comes from the future to kill the mother so the baby will not be born. And the prophecy of the one is going to come to destroy the panel technology of the machine. I'll be back. Come from me. We'll be back. He comes back to three different naked microchip cyborgs. One comes to protect the mother. One comes to destroy the mother. Another one comes to protect the child so he will grow up in the future at 30 years of age. Neo comes into knowledge, consciousness, and the rebels seek him out because he's been hidden in the city as a girl on paper. That's why you see all these children, which are the indigos and the crystals, with the oracle. The oracle is me based on my life as a visionary seer. Because in the Bible, on the first coming of Christ, John the Baptist created and made the way. But I wanted it to be a woman. A woman because all the creativity comes from the female or the feminine energy. It comes through the womb. So why not a female prophet, a female oracle, to prophesy the coming of the one? I'm for it. This is the whole story, because I wrote the story, and I know where it's going, because the Terminator, as a franchise by itself, is not going anywhere unless it goes into the Matrix. And when you see the second Terminator, he's got long hair, John Connors, J.C., Neo, because Neo is just an anagram, a sneaky way of calling him the one. And the only one that's ever called the one is in the Bible. When you look in the Bible, Matrix is mentioned five times in the King James Version of the Bible. Five times, Matrix. Matrix is Latin for the womb, coming out of the womb. How do you have the courage to keep standing? In other words, you lost the first case, but how have you claimed these copyrights? From their point of view, it looked like they won. How do you invoke getting the damage money? It's easy. Any case that's been dealt with with fraud, even two sentences of fraud overturns the case. And the judges have to overturn any case that's riddled with fraud because it's criminal. And if they don't overturn that fraud, then they go to jail for aiding and abetting. So it's not hard to get these cases, that case overturned. Well, you know, I interviewed Richard Fine, who went to jail for 18 months for asking a judge to recuse himself because he was taking bribes. I got a federal judge recused off of my case, and I didn't go to jail. And the judge's name is Clark Wadoff. And if you want to see the recusal paperwork, I'll send it over to you. I think that would be great. No problem. I'll send it to you. And I'll send you the judgment showing you that I won the judgment. That will be no problem either. So what I'm trying to tell you that these are derivatives. When somebody takes your work and makes another product off of it, it is derived from the original source, which is the copyright. You don't even have to take them to court, unless you're taking them to court for the damages like me. 
I got my work back by copywriting the derivatives. I went out and copyrighted the images. I went out and copyrighted the movie. And getting ready to copyright the video and the music is a piece of cake. That's all you got to do. And the government will give it to you. And you think I'm joking with you? I will show you and send you the Matrix and Terminator copyrights. I own the Matrix and Terminator copyrights. You've seen my book. It's been selling since 2012 globally around the world. If I'm using somebody else's copyright, the FBI will come in and arrest me. It's simple. So the Matrix and Terminator, I don't need a judge to validate that I'm the writer of the Matrix and Terminator. All I need to do is show you and others that I'm selling it. And if somebody is telling the truth, and somebody stole something from them, and it's derived from their copyright, all they got to do is turn around and copyright the derivatives. And the government will give you the copyright. All you have to do is show and isolate the protective expression that the copyright protects. And to make this perfectly clear, if you go out and print anybody's copyright and it's copyrighted, the government will come out and arrest you. Now, ask yourself, which is common sense, and a lot of people have common sense. I've been selling and using the name Matrix. My website is MatrixTerminator.com, and my book is Matrix 4, and I got images, and I am talking about everything they have done in the Third Eye book. That's my first book where I showed the fans and the public with the transcript where they're admitting to the theft. And I call them thieves. James Cameron is a thief. The Wachowskis are thieves. I've been on over 4,000 media interviews calling them thieves. And no one has sued me, Cameron sued me, slandered me, or defamed me. The only ignorance is coming from the Internet and ignorant people. And ignorance is not a bad word. It's simply ignoring facts you should know. That's all ignorance is. On the Internet is all this ignorance and confusion and people who don't know a thing about law and lawyers that won't help them. And I've been trying to help the people by breaking down the law and explaining to them you don't have to go to court unless you're going for damages. So are you looking to collect damages? I am going to get damages. I just got some new lawyers. One of those of them have been paying lawyers off, and this is what they do. They go out, they compromise some of the best lawyers. They will form out work to them, so it will be a conflict of interest. So lawyers cannot help you. They will pay lawyers not to pull up against them. They will sabotage you, the studios, any and every way they can. But I'm a visionary seer, so I'm like the oracle in the movie. I am the oracle. I will get there before they do. And cut them off. And they've never had an opponent like that. That's gifted in law where I got my own trademark. Gifted in law where I got my own copyrights. Gifted in law where I won my own judgment. These studios save lawyers millions of dollars to do trademarks, to do copyrights, to win judgment. I'm gifted in those areas and that is how I beat them. Because I know criminal law. I know what the prosecutors know. I know how to get a judge recused off. There's all kinds of lawyers. There's Harvard lawyers. There's Ivy League lawyers. They're brilliant lawyers. There's Emelance chasers. All lawyers are not created equal. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. 
Well, don't you think also that in the area of intellectual property, it's beyond the Wild West, that it's one of the most ferocious areas because it's now exploded into this huge area of opportunity? Yeah, the copyrights could be worth billions of dollars, but there's nothing stopping anybody from picking up a book and reading and getting someone to help them or taking some classes so they can help themselves to protect their property. I have empowered people. I've won empowerment awards. The Rosa Parker Award from the NAACP 2005. The won this award in 2007. The Las Vegas Music uh, Award in 2006, an empowerment award. Women's in Media, Rutgers University, March the 9th, 2013. From Lincoln, one being in the top 1% of the most viewed profile out of 200 million people. What do you think my whole quest is? To empower people to fight back but use intelligence. Go in and get the right tools to fight. Yes, they got money, but sometimes it's knowledge which is more valuable than diamonds and pearls. God told you in the Bible that wisdom was the greatest. No one has said that money and power was the greatest. Just like Eddie Griffin said last night when I was there in show, he said the devil lost in the beginning, and it's prophesied he will lose in the end. So why would you want to join a losing team? Doesn't make any sense. So, for example, my good friends who had their autobiography stolen from them by a new writer that then got the book popularized, renamed, repackaged, they stole over 50 pages from my friend's original book. And was it verbatim? Yeah. That's my next question. Yes. Well, then all, all your friend has to do is copyright the derivatives. I can show them how. Well, I want to tell you that they went to the supposed IP kings of copyright in Los Angeles and were told all the cases, all of them have been thrown out in the Ninth Circuit Court that they'd never win, even though it's a clear and obvious theft. He's a liar. Whoever he is, he's a liar. That was to discourage them. He got paid money to discourage them so they wouldn't do anything. And people who won't do anything and listen to people lie, then that's what happens to you. Well, apparently they went for two years from attorney to attorney. And I said to them... They lied, they lied to them. They lied, they lied, they lied. I am a living example. I can give you documents of proof. I can show you how it can be done. And the government will give it to you. Again, I repeat, unless they're going to court for damages to make them pay, and it's a criminal act, they won't get it like that. Because whenever something is a criminal act, it has to go through the government. It's restitution because it's a criminal act. They're not going to be forced to pay until the government comes in on them. And it's the government's job, just like he comes out and he arrests you for bootlegging movies. You arrest your 16-year-old for downloading music. They don't care. The people not making the government enforce the law, that's the problem, sweetie. Trust me. When you got a copyright, your work is supposed to be unequivocally protected by the government. They go out and they do dog work. They'll, as soon as the studio said that, Kim, you downloaded some music or you bootlegged some movies, the FBI is going to come and knock on your door. Whatever is good for the goose is good for the gander. The people's problem is they won't stand up for themselves 
and file a class action lawsuit against the government for not protecting their copyrights. That is the problem. You cannot make billion-dollar corporations pay you when they've committed a criminal act. It has to go through the process of law enforcement. Brilliant. That's the issue. Brilliant. That's the issue. Your whole paradigm, your whole experience, your whole synthesis and distillation is really a hybrid answer. Your revelation is so distinct from the way everybody's looking at this. It's even off the grid of how we look at it. Exactly, because everybody is looking at it from another angle, the wrong angle, and they're not getting any results because they think that they're supposed to go through this process. But I'm showing people and empowering them, don't go that route. Go the route I'm going, put them in a pickle, put them in a vine. They can't do anything about it. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. It's funny how sometimes you don't take action until people have died. I remember visiting my mother in an Alzheimer's facility in Studio City and my cousins, Carol and Dan, were there. And I had this little tape recorder with me. My dad had passed on five years before. And I started to interview my cousins, Carol and Dan, about my parents because they were very close to them and they knew them for many years even before they were married. I want you to know that I got the funniest, most adorable stories about my mom and dad that I would have never heard otherwise. I kid you not. I found out that my dad, Buddy Greenhouse, used to invite people to massive parties, bring everybody together, and then they'd all get to the party and they'd go, where's Buddy? And he was not there. In other words, he would just put the whole thing together, get everybody to come. And sometimes he would not show up. Now, you may not think that's funny. You may think that's rude and all that. But I thought that was hysterical when I first heard about it. It's just not something that I would think that my dad was capable of. But apparently he was. Many of you listening to the show are going to wait until your parents and your sisters and brothers and cousins pass on before you ever capture the wonderful stories and legacy of your family. I'm making a very special service available to those of you that would like me to interview your family and capture the wonderful stories that are the gift of your family legacy. It's a really special service. It's very confidential and private and can be done in either audio or video. Don't miss the occasion to capture the living legacy of your family and the great treasures that are sitting there. I'm a miner. I know how to get to those treasures. Call me at its rainmaking time at 626-398-8652. Thank you. And back to the show. How are you going to get paid for what has been taken from you? They can't do anything about it. The government has to appear. The government has to give you the copyrights. I can prove it to you. And I can sit here and talk to your friends and break it down how they can get everything done. How they can get judges recused off of the case. How did I get the judge recused off the case? You didn't even ask me. You told me about Richard Fire trying to get one recused and he got put in jail. It's easy to get them recused off the case. When they're committing a criminal act, all you got to do is report them and the evidence to the U.S. Attorney's Office, to the Department of Justice, to the task force, because all courts got task force connected to them, two or three of them, to the fraud division. This is how it's done. How do I know? Because I deal in law enforcement. That's where I sent the paperwork. And guess what? The judge recused himself in a New York minute. 
And guess what? I got that whole Utah case shut down over there because they committed over 250 counts of fraud, perjury, and forgery in the courts. And I tell you, two sentences of fraud overturns a case. And if a judge don't overturn that case, he's aiding and abetting and he'll go to jail. Trust me, he will go to jail. There is a fine line where judges can do what they want to do on the technicalities. But when they cross certain boundaries, they can't come back. They will go to jail. There are plenty of judges go on the Internet or that are drugged out of their courtroom because that's where FBI come in and arrest them. Right while they're having court, an FBI agent will come in and drag them out of there, screaming and hollering, Who are you? Don't you know I'm a federal judge? You can't arrest me. Tell in the FBI agents why they're putting cuffs on them. <laughs> it sounds like a great no movie. <laughs> it's not a movie. No, I know. It's, it's not a, a movie. It's, I know it's that. Real. They think they are above the law. Some of them, where this power has gone to their heads, they're in an ego mania fit. The reason why Bertie Madoff is in prison now is because for years, over 20 years, he was stealing millions and billions of dollars from celebrities, politicians. And don't think those people were not reporting it to the law enforcement agencies. They were reporting it. But the government always needs one witness to submit their cases. They will sit there, the FBI, because I've been involved with them. They will gather evidence for years. And they told me, but when we come in after you, you won't be able to get out. And we can make anybody talk. But all they need to wrap their cases is one pivotal witness. And Bernie Madoff's son was that witness. And he brought down the house to Bernie. So don't tell me people out there, it can't be done, and these people are above the law, and nobody is going to arrest them. That is a crock of crap. I love what you're saying. (laughs) On the Internet. You're awesome. Tons of people being arrested. FBI agents, judges, federal prosecutors, tons of people. And this is the disadvantage that people have. These big studios will go out and hire former prosecutors that used to put their tails in jail. Now they will hire these people to keep them out of jail. Rupert Murdoch with Fox is doing that. He had all that wiretapping on all these people and all that stuff. But he's got about maybe 20 or 30 former prosecutors that used to work with the government to put people in jail. They're now utilizing that talent, which is called an inside job. They're like Warner Brothers. They hire trademark examining attorneys to come and work for them so they can get illegal trademarks or counterfeit trademarks. Because these examining attorneys know how to give you that trademark or to prevent you from getting it. They specialize in specialty law. And now the studios and all the criminals are getting smart. They're using all the organizations and entities and people that was used to put them in jail. Now they're hiring these people to steal and lie and keep them from going to jail and to steal copyrights and trademarks. If you want somebody's trademark or copyright, then go and hire some people that used to work for the copyright office, lawyers. And go hire some lawyers that used to work for the trademark office and go hire some prosecutors that used to work to put people in jail. They're called inside jobs. If you want to rob a bank or a truck, 
and go hire some former employees that used to work for the bank and used to work for the breach truck. And I guarantee you, you can rob any of them in a New York minute and look like they're getting away with it until the FBI figure it was an inside job. It was an inside job. So don't tell me you can't get justice in this world or this country because it can be done, but it can't be done with ignorance and confusion. You have to wake up, smell the coffee, and see what they're doing and flip it around on them. There's lots of people with knowledge, research people. Paralegals are smarter than lawyers. A lot of the paralegals are the ones who prepare the cases. The lawyers just come into the courtroom and argue it. There are some brilliant paralegals. The only difference between a paralegal and an attorney is the paralegals don't have the license. They didn't take the bar. There are some lawyers that have taken the bar 20 times, 9 times, 12 times. John F. Kennedy Jr., I think he took it 9 times before he even got his license. (laughs) Okay, so where are you now? And how come you're so fearless? I'm fearless because I have the truth, and I have the truth of God behind me. And no man can beat the truth. Every lie has to bow down to the truth, and I can take the truth and beat anybody down with it. What can they say? There's nothing you can say against the truth. I've called James Cameron out, called him a liar and a thief. The Wachowski brothers, liars and thieves, Warner Brothers executives that stole over there because all of Warner Brothers is not involved in the theft. The shareholders don't even know what's going on. Fox shareholders is the same. They don't know what's going on. Some rogue executives stole the Terminator from the Fox shareholders. Once the Fox shareholders realizes this, oh, it's going to be hell to pay. It's going to be like Enron all over again. When Warner Brothers shareholders find out whether that Joe Silvers and some of the rogue executives over there stole from the shareholders, that's why they don't own the Matrix and why Fox don't own the Terminator. Three hundred and some million dollars have been paid to suppress the media from exposing this or following the cases to give the people the truth because once those shareholders wake up, oh my God, you're going to be looking at judges, politicians, like those in-runners that in handcuffs, getting in federal cars. Somewhere, as I listen to you with all of your courage and total commitment to bring forth justice and to reveal this, am I incorrect as I hear a part of you? You really believe on some level or you have tremendous faith that justice will be had through the government. A lot of people are very concerned now about the things the government is doing. The ethos out there is people are very distrustful of anything government. What do you say to that? The late John Kennedy told the people in the 60s that the power was with the people, that the power is the people, that you are the power, and that the government is afraid of you. Not the other way around. You don't go to the Wizard of Oz, the government, to get anything. You are the government. The people are the government. And they are afraid of you. And this is why they hide and suppress things. But when everything blows up in the media and the people, public opinion, and believe me, public opinion matters, then the government has to come out and address everything and take care of everything and straighten out everything. This is when you start seeing Bertie Madoff and Martha Stewart and all these other people going to jail. 
prison because the public is outraged. And once the public becomes outraged, they are the 10,000-headed beasts the government has to appease. And you're not at that level yet. You are consciously not wakening up to the power that you have. The government doesn't have the power. You, the people, have the power. And when you realize that, you will rise up and make the government do its job. They work for you. You are paying the taxes. They work for you. I think that what you said is true. I just think that there's a lot of really deep concern with the drone programs, the surveillance state, all the stuff that's going on. There's a lot of fear out there. And really what you're revealing is it's a lot easier to claim your copyrights than people imagine. It's like claiming your property. It is like claiming your property because that's exactly what copyrights are. Yes. IPs are nothing but property. If people would look at it and treat it as a property, then they can easily go in claim it. Because once they realize it's just like claiming a house that you got the deed to, claiming a car that you got the certificate of ownership to, or anything else you got the receipt for. That is all it is, the same transaction. But people have been told these lies, and they've made to look at things totally different. They don't see IPs as tangible properties that are worth millions and billions of dollars. But that's what a book is. It has royalties that is going to go on and on and on and make you money in movies and whatever you create, a play. If you create a video game or you put your work in, ends up in gaming in Vegas, all of this is nothing but property and you're the owner of that property and your copyright is the title of ownership. That's why a poor man's copyright is not going to get you nothing. But a federal protected copyright is like a pie that's going to be turned into many things, magazines, video games, attractions. Just all these different derivatives that are derived from your source work. And all you got to do is go out there and copyright everything. Because anytime somebody steals from your copyright and make a derivative, it's unregistered. It goes into the public domain. That's right. And what they're doing is squatting on your land, squatting in your house, squatting in your car. And they're making money off of an illegal until you come and claim it. And you don't have to come and claim it through a court uh, unless you're going to get damages for the usage. All you got to do is go in there and copyright all the derivatives. And the government will give you the copyright. All you have to do is fill out your application. I'll show you how. It's simple. Piece of cake. And put on your application, unregistered. This is the first registry of it. Because once it's been put into the public domain, it has no copyright. They're just squatters. And they're making money and laughing at you. Because you don't know this little simple thing. And that is very simple, isn't it, Kim? Sounds pretty simple. thing. You can get all of it. Take any and all of it. Everything that was created and derived from your copyright, whether they created music and put there, you can copyright it. Games, videos, whatever they did and squatting, you can come and take it. Somebody actually took its rainmaking time, is putting all my shows on another site, but worse, they have another woman's picture on it with my voice, the name it's rainmaking time, and are using all the shows on another site. And I was furious, 
furious. Yeah, well, you don't got you don't got to be furious. Did you report it to the FBI? Is your work trademarked? Yes, it's rainmaking time is trademarked. Yes. Well, then all you got to do is report it to the FBI. Why are you not utilizing that? The FBI are nothing but cops on a white criminal level. Regular cops at blue-collar level. They handle a certain amount of money. When you go over a certain amount of money in the millions or whatever, you reach the FBI. They're the cops that monitor that. The CIA are the cops that monitor international money. All these people are nothing but levels of cops. The regular cops that you know, police, blue-collar. The FBI, white-collar. The CIA, international terrorist criminals. Criminals on another level. But no one has ever taught you guys this. The DA's office, blue-collar. The U.S. Attorney General's office. The FBI. These are nothing but DA's office that governs these policemen. They all have internal affairs. If you don't like the way an agent is acting or a way a cop is acting, you can report them. Sophia, why in your view, from your perspective, did Richard Fine sit in solitary confinement for 18 months? He's formally with the Department of Justice and he exposed judicial corruption and payoffs and bribery. Why did he sit in solitary for 18 months? The guy's not a schmuck. You just answered your own question. He told on high-up officials who were doing payoffs. He told on big people that were doing payoffs to politicians. And we we're talking about criminals on another level that are protected by money, with money. And this is why. But earlier you said to me that it's easy to get a judge recused. In the normal sense, maybe. But in his sense, he paid dearly. Yeah, because he was not doing a normal thing. He went higher up. If you were to interview him, he named names. I did interview him. Okay, what did he tell you? He laid out every layer of judicial corruption. They even created a law to have retroactive immunity so that any bribes they took would be no problem. They even created a law after he busted them to have retroactive immunity and got away with it. What state did he do this? California. L.A. County. Yeah, I believe you. Listen to me. I believe you because the prosecutor from the Department of Justice told me out of his own mouth that California had the most corrupted judges and lawyers. And you need to listen to what I'm saying. A U.S. Department of Justice prosecutor told me that California had the most corrupted judges and politicians. And he's standing alone. And, you know, I don't know what else he did. But something else happened. And I'm not saying he did anything wrong. Well, I'll send you the link to my interview with Richard Fine. He lays out everything he did, everything he said, and exactly what happened. It's the most... Yeah, but I said that he stepped on some toes that was really higher up. That's what I'm trying to tell you. He stepped on some higher up corruption. It could be like with the CIA that's tied into the Taliban, or it could be tied into something else Why they are letting him sit in jail. He's out of jail now. He's been out for, I think, a year and a half. Give him my number. Tell him to call me, and you can listen to it on the phone conversation because me talking to him, I can find out, and then you can get your answers. Well, I would like to have you both on the show. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to put you in touch with them, but I think you should both come on the show. 
together. I would love to go on a show with him. I would love to go on a show, but I can't answer the question without speaking right, to him. Right, right, right. I understand. What I'm about, but once he talks to me, I can tell you what happened and why he was in jail. That's a piece of cake. All I have to do is listen to him and ask him some questions. A lot of times, good people suffer because even though bad stuff is tied in with them, there is some good stuff happening on another case. His case might have tied in with another case where the FBI or CIA agents were going to bust some Taliban people or bust some really big operatives. And if they disturbed his case, would have disturbed that major element. We don't know sometimes because we're not looking in the background at some other stuff. Because the FBI have told me that a lot of things that I've reported to them have helped resolve other cases because lots of stuff is tied in. It doesn't look like it, but it is. And sometimes the FBI has been working on a case for 20 years and they're getting ready to wrap it. And this Richard Fine guy's case could be wrapped up with that. But he has to suffer until they get that taken care of. That happens a lot. This is why the FBI and the police always have a clashing whenever they get on a case together. The FBI has to complete their cases because it's a bigger picture. It's something else. Whereas the police is trying to resolve it on a lower level, but this case is connected to some other greater, bigger thing. Do you kind of understand now? Totally. It's very clear. Very, very clear. Why some people have to suffer when they're trying to get bigger people. It's all kinds of stuff. Sometimes they got to let things hang the way they're hanging and build up that case because the FBI, they take years to work their cases. When they bombed the church and those little girls in Alabama got killed, some of those guys didn't go to prison until they were 65 years old. Some of them had already gotten divine justice and died of cancer and real bad car wrecks. And then others found themselves going to jail like Bertie Madoff at 65 years old. There was a time when the Ku Klux Klan killed this black man on federal property 25 years or 30 years ago. And it was clear that it was on federal property. But until Connie Chong broke the case in the media and they went out and arrested the people who took this black man and killed him in the back car on federal property, the KKK. They found themselves going to jail as old men, and no one gets away with anything. And I wish people would stop saying that, because that really sends out a bad message to everyone, where people will go out and kill and rob because they think that they can get away with it. But no one gets away with anything. It catches up with you. If you live long enough, you're going to go and get arrested. Or you'll end up dying in some kind of divine justice. But it's not going to be good. It's not going to be none. But no one gets away. That is the biggest fallacy in the world. If you were to look at people's lives and follow it and see the end result, the end result matches up to what they did in the past. Zimmerman, I told them, he didn't get away. I don't know why you guys think that the courts is the end of saying what somebody's free, that they get away. They don't get away. Look at O.J. Simpson. He ended up in prison later on. No one gets away with anything. I don't know what he's done, but he did something because he wouldn't have ended up in prison here in Vegas. But I'm just telling you that no one gets away. You follow this Zimmerman guy and you watch to see what the end result's going to be on him. What do you think about Zimmerman? I think Zimmerman murders that little boy. 
That's what I think. I think he murdered him in cold blood and that his father is being a judge. He had undue influence and with the law enforcement and all of that. And it looks like with the appearance that he got away, but he didn't get away. And the people did not stand up for their rights. And they didn't stand up for Trayvon Martin's rights. This is the problem in America, that the people of color won't stand up for their race. They're not any Africans in America because they didn't come from Africa. Unless you came from Africa and you became a citizen over here, you're not no African-American. But you're people of color, and all people of color need to stand up for their rights. And if you don't stand up for your rights, you won't have any rights. And that was the problem. They didn't stand up for their rights, which is not standing up for Trayvon Martin's rights. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, these people died, and all these other people that died during the civil rights era showed everyone how to stand up for your rights, and all of that's been lost and gone. And it's really sad, because I've taken a stand to show people how to stand up for your rights. When you stand up for your rights, you have to bring forth action. You can't be marching anymore. You really have to take precision intelligent action that bring about great results. And it can be done. What are you working on now? Matrix 4 movie coming out soon. Matrix 4 movie. Buy the book, MatrixTerminator.com, hardcover, Amazon. Matrix 4 movie coming soon. Now, I have a question to you about the movie that's going to come out. When you've had to go up against these terribly abusive criminals that appear from their point of view to have gotten away with all the money and accolades of the theft for your new movie what are you looking to do and set up in the way of distribution so that you're not blocked by the very people that did this to you individuals don't do blockbusters franchises that are worth billions of dollars it's not a mom and pop operation it's not a five million dollar or 30 or 40 million dollar movie Matrix is in Terminator or 150 million on up uh, production. And they are in care and need of a production company or a production company or studios. And I didn't have to go out and do anything. I've been solicited by Universal Studios. Rick Finkelstein, he's the COO. He wants Matrix 4 and 5. I was solicited by Relativity Media, Ron Kavanaugh. He wanted Matrix 4. DMG showed interest. And the Chinese solicited me because they wanted to do a Chinese Matrix and using China as the backdrop and bring in their own Chinese directors or their own Asian directors, John Wu, Ang Lee, or Sat. So I'm being solicited because Matrix is a branded name. We got like 3 billion people or Matrix and Terminator fans. In other words, they got Matrix and Terminator products, movies, games, etc. in their homes. So Matrix and Terminator is in demand, and it's a juicy plum. And there are all kind of investors and production companies and studios, even some interest from Paramount, even some interest from Warner Brothers. They all want Matrix. All studios need to feed off of a giant shark. They eat guppies and fish and all other octopuses and all things all day long. But at the end of the day, they need blockbusters. That's their substance. 
And so right now, lots of the blockbusters are tied up. Pirates of the Caribbean is under fire right now, lawsuits. Avatar got about 10, 10 or 12 lawsuits. Some of them already bought off. Some of them were even paid judges to dismiss the cases, but they're appealing. So we're talking about years of tied up. Warner Brothers no longer have Harry Potter. That's tied up. So you see what I'm saying? Yes. So they need blockbusters. So I'm being solicited. I don't got to go out and solicit anybody. Matrix and Terminator is already known and is in demand. And whoever gets it is going to make billions of dollars. You don't think that the studios could come back and try to file an injunction to stop you from distributing? Uh, No, not at all. People who still don't want to open up a case. They paid lawyers to shut it down so they wouldn't go to jail. So why would they go and file an injunction and file a lawsuit They open it back up on them? That's not what they're trying to do. If they had gotten something legally, they'd be filing lawsuits all day long. I get that answer. That's clear. But the distribution side, how do you know the same people that did this won't try to pay off the distribution outlets, all the movie houses? At the end of the day, the thieves are businessmen. They're here to make money. That's what's important to them, how much money they can make. They can't make money blocking distribution. They want to be a part of making that money. They have a greed component. Clear. Greed for money. That's the first thing that they see. And I get in on those billions of dollars. That's what comes into their mind. So basically, your enemies may be your friends. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> yeah, we That's have a classic case. That's what I'm trying yeah. to tell you, I promise. That's all I'm trying to tell you is how do I know? Because I've been approached by Warner Brothers before. So if Warner Brothers wanted to block me, they wouldn't be approaching me, talking to me. They're trying to make money. They're businessmen. Everybody, at the end of the day, no matter who he becomes in, in the past or the future, whether he becomes a crook and he stole to get to where he got, at the end of the day, they want to still make money because you can't keep what you didn't earn. It's just like a prostitute. You made some fast money, but you can't keep it because you didn't really earn it. Drug dealers, same way. That money goes through your hands really quickly. Yeah, you get big money, but you didn't earn it, so you can't keep what you didn't earn. I go out and rob from you right now, Tim. Go in your house, steal $100,000. I can't keep that money because I didn't earn that money. I stole it from you. It's going to dissipate really quickly, and I'm going to need another fix. I'm going to need to steal again, or I'm going to need to go and do something. And it would make sense if you come and say, hey, you know, I stole from you, Tim, but you know what? I made a mistake, and we can make a lot of money. I would like to make some more money. If you don't put me in jail, please, Tim, if you don't put me in jail. I'm going to keep you out of jail, Sophia. Let's talk a little bit about the fact that you have another gift, which is creating characters. You call it cinematic magic, which I love. Talk about that. Were you able to write as a little girl like that, or is this something that kind of developed into your teens and 20s? No, I was writing as a a little girl. Uh, my first teacher was a college professor who taught me writing. My teacher, Mrs. Day, got sick, and he substituted, and he told us he didn't know English, but he knew about writing, and so he was going to teach us writing. Now, I had a natural, phenomenal gift, so he cultivated that just the same way Tiger Woods was cultivated at playing golf at three years old, and Venus and Serena's father had them out there playing tennis. 
like Michael Jordan and all of them, anybody that has a genius gift, it's cultivated early on, and it becomes a very phenomenal gift. Like some of my teachers, Emil Kapudia, he was the, the author, critic. Uh, it, they saw my gift, Matt Siegel, former journalist with the New York Times, and Leon Roth, the producer. They all saw this gift because these people are writers and they're in business. The playwright, Big Apple playwright, Paul Cherry, they knew immediately that I had a phenomenal gift. Some of them told me that there was nothing they could do because I was already a writer, already had a pronounced signature. You know, I was already a phenomenal professional writer. And they saw that. They were excited by it. They can see that gift. But I didn't know it was so extraordinary. I didn't know that my work was going to make billions of dollars and be loved around the entire globe and that people would know me. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The Declaration of a National and International Water Crisis is a declaration about water that comes directly from snowmelt and rainfall. It has nothing to do with the water that exists below your feet, underground, into faulted structures all over the world. I want you to know that there is an unlimited supply of available fresh water everywhere on Earth, including the deserts. For over 100 years, teams of people have been locating water for private people. And the reason you haven't heard of it is that it is not part of the mainstream orthodoxy of geology that's taught at universities. When you think about people and animals in developing nations having to walk miles to bring back a bucket of water, I want you to know that that is an unacceptable atrocity. Nobody should have to go through that. I've made a commitment to make water available to sophisticated investors and to people in need across the world. And to make commercial applications available for water in the United States and abroad, there's only a water crisis as it relates to snowmelt and rainfall, not having to do with the third source of water, which is below our feet. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are a sophisticated investor or a farmer that would be interested in having your own water supply that is independent of the aquifers, feel free to call It's Rainmaking Time. The good news is that there's plenty of water everywhere for anybody and any animal on planet Earth that needs it. Thank you very much. And back to the show. A movie like The Matrix is so advanced, is so in front of its time. Where did that come from? You must be really, truly from the future. Well, I feel that I am from the future because to have a gift like that, it comes through my DNA. Like I told you, when I saw Star Wars, and I was inspired by God, not Star Wars, I was just quite shocked to see that George Lucas was actually writing about how Satan fell from the light to the dark. The whole point of view of Star Wars, the wars in heaven, is how Satan failed. So that blew my mind, and I thought about, well, what if when Christ comes back, Revelation said he'd be back, what would happen if he came back? Then I got to thinking about the process. He'd have to be born again, a woman coming through the womb, and he'd have to walk the walk to show people that they can ascend ascension into their fourth-dimensional light body and never experience death. 
Because when I was reading the Bible, and I saw the first walk of Christ, and I saw that when he was in that tomb for three days, it was rebirth. And then when he came out, he was in his light body, and all the disciples, they recognized him when they looked in his eyes. The eyes are the window of the soul. But his body had transformed, and he was in this light body. So I understood all of those concepts and principles. And that's how my story was born. It's the second coming of Christ. Can you imagine when he comes in the future, how he would come again and walk again? Because they said it was seven Adams or seven Adamas. But when you look at the word Adam, it's not really A-D-A-M, Adam of the Adama. What God is talking about actually is the Atom, A-T-O-M. And then if you split the atom to the right, you would create cloning or life or body. And if you split it to the left, you would create death, the atomic bomb or the nuclear bomb, broken down to neutrons and electrons, the subdivisions or the subatomic of the world of destruction. And then I noticed that everything was polar, polarity, that there was no such thing as duality or dualism that... Anytime people talked about two, that that was deception, was a lie created by the philosopher Descartes who brought in this false math called algebra. That God says that there was only nine real numbers in the universe, one through nine, and that there was no such thing as then, the compound number ten, that everything went back to the one, a complete circle, like anything that has a beginning will begin again that it doesn't end, it begins again, and that's called the infinity, or the number eight, which is new beginning, and there are two little circles, one little zero sitting on top of another zero, but if you laid them out flat or vertical or horizontally, that it was God's infinity that went on and on, and that everything goes back to the one, and that's why Christ was called the one, because everything begins and ends with him, but begins again. That life is perpetuated, continued onward forever, and that it never ends. And that if you look in Genesis, Genesis is just an anagram or a sneaky way of talking about his genes. Look at the words Genesis, G-E-N-E-S, I-S. And you flip it around, it's I-S, G-E-N-E-S, it's genes. And Genesis is really talking about somebody being born. And who's being born in Genesis? Well, it's talking about how these angels, a third of them, from disobedience. And then they wanted to create their own children. And they said, let us create children in our image. Let's create a man or mankind or a kind of man in our image. And then this is where I'm talking about the hybrids, the giants, the booster. This is where the mythology comes into the matrix. The Cyclops, Pegasus, because these fallen angels saw that God's earth was already plenished with human beings. So they started mating with these women. And this is talking about the second creation, because if you go into King James's Bible, there's two creations. One of the creations is telling you that God's people or children are already plenished upon the earth. And the second one is talking about how man is creating how man actually pulls the rib out of Adam and he creates woman. And that's cloning because whenever you take anybody's DNA 
and you start where you necessitize the atoms, then you're growing a body that's cloning. But a lot of people, no one ever breaks down cloning to them, so they really don't get that aspect of the Bible. So that's actually talking about cloning. They were cloning way back then. Are you familiar with Ray Kurzweil? No, I'm not familiar with Ray He's Kurzweil. He's one of the great inventors of our time. He's big on artificial intelligence. He wrote The Singularity is Near When Humans Transcend Biology. He wrote also The Age of Spiritual Machines When Computers Exceed Human Intelligence. He is promoting and for the hybridization of humans and machines, the fusion of both. What he's promoting is this artificial intelligence where we're kind of hybridized and we're no longer the humans we understand ourselves to be. He also has this deep wish to never die. So it all kind of fits into his paradigm. He's a brilliant inventor, but there's a bit of a scary part about what he's putting forth. I get his newsletter, and he was just hired by Google to work on all kinds of new ventures with them, which is kind of scary. (laughs) I was wondering, what do you think about the fact that we are living at a time when humans are potentially... Many are being chipped in law enforcement, and it's being popularized, and there's an entire infrastructure of RFID technology getting ready to be put into a next form of ID tagging for humans. What do you think about that? One thing, man will not be fused correctly with metal because metal poisons the flesh. And that's why you see all these million-dollar, hundreds of million-dollar lawsuits or billion-dollar lawsuits. Because the scientists got it wrong. You can't fuse man with metal. In the future, metal will become obsolete. That's why I said the the new artificial intelligence will be what I'm talking about, what I've written about. It will be microchips with silicon. Microchips can fuse with man. Because see, your computer right now, it's not no metal robot. It's a chip. It's not the casing. A chip can be put into plastic, anything. A chip can be put into the delicate part of your brain, and it can be a GPS tracker the size of a pin. Absolutely. It's smaller than the hole inside a needle. I mean, that's how small it is. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying, that man will be fused with clone and fused with microchips, and that this nanotechnology will increase the intelligence of man because once you put a chip in, you can download into the brain. Now the brain is accelerated, and now you've never played a piano before. Now you can play that Beethoven piece. But you didn't even have to go to school. You didn't have to talk to anyone or read a book or anything. You just got to download, because this is what I'm talking about in my work. This is what the future is going to be. Let me explain. I said that there will be no more physical buildings and stuff, that everything will go to the Internet that it all will be holograms, that our world is turning into holograms. And this is what the iPhone is, a holographic device. But it's in the beginning stages of the hologram that we will have these virtual penal systems. Master scientists are reading my book, Homeland Security and Doctors, because what I'm talking about, the virtual penal system is, in the future, you commit a crime, you get a felony, you lose all your rights. They will put a microchip the size of a pinhead in the delicate part of your brain where you can't take that low jack out. The low jack will leave your ankle now, and it will be in your brain, 
and they will send you out and they can track you. And the satellites can do visuals. They, these jobs with the satellite where these monitors or dispatchers will monitor your every movement from tracking devices. They chip. And then when you commit a murder or commit a crime, it's already videotaped through the satellite. Are you for this? Let me just explain first, because you got to hear the penal system, how it really works. First, they'll send out a computer drone transporter, a drone transporter like a black spear that will come up on you. You won't even know it's there because it will make no sound. It'll open up like a giant claw. It will suck you in and it'll put you to sleep. You won't be able to dismantle it or stop it or tamper with anything in it. It will take you back to Homeland Security. They will fill you in on a gurney, and they will insert these holographic laser rings around you. And now this is the new prison system right now. In the future, you become your own judge, jury, and executioner. There's no more guards, no more jury, no more executioner. You become that if you cannot control your own emotions. If you walk around, you have these laser rings, white laser rings around you. Everybody knows you're in prison. You snatch a purse, it activates the ring, it cuts your arm off, and it sears the bleeding. You kill somebody, it activates the ring, it cuts your head off. Or if you try to run from the guards, it cuts your legs off. This is what I saw is the future, and that people were going to have this little 6 by 9 thin tablet that becomes everything. There will be no more for bulky flat screen TVs, no more iPods, no more anything. You don't need the boomboxes, nothing. Everybody in the future will be walking around with this little thin six by nine, like a tablet, but the size of a six by nine book, but thin. And it will be your phone. It will be your video game. It will be your iPod for music. It will be your classroom. Everything you touch it, it'll be your phone. It's everything. It's no more buildings. I will open up the first virtual movie theater. That's right, the Oracle Virtual Movie Theater. And I'll make a deal with iTunes for distribution, digital distribution, because there are 5 billion mobile devices, tablets, phones, pads, everything. Now, I'll make the movie through a production company over in Dubai, use their studios, make the movie, come back, make the deal with iTunes, and now I'll tell them they can download my movie for $5 with 5 billion devices. I've made five times the amount of money than any studio. It will put them out of business. They will be in the thrift stores. <laughs> Their old day is gone. They're IBM. Now I'm Apple. Everything is digital downloading now. It's pay-per-view streaming. We don't even need these studios for distribution anymore. I told this to the film commissioner in Utah, and his mouth was on the ground. He was like, oh, my God. I said, yeah, this is the technology that's here. We don't need distribution in your system. There are 5 billion mobile devices. You can download a movie for $5. That's $5 billion. Everybody in the world can make money. There's nobody can block that. That's technology. That's progress. That is the future. That's where everything is going. There will be no more physical newspapers, TV, radio. 
Look, everybody that's been on the internet for 10 years will be the legends. I want to tell you something. I started in television and I was blocked from television. I went to radio and they kept asking me in the United States what my religion was and what my politics was. Five years I was turned down in radio in America, both in public and private broadcasting, and I went online. I was guided to go online by a dear friend of mine. Ever since I did that, it took off. The thing is, is that if it weren't for the internet, it's rainmaking time would not be, including the guests that we've had, the content that we've covered, etc. And we have between fifteen and 20,000 people who tune in a month. And I've done very little marketing for this. But I want to tell you that this is the future. I know this is the future. And if it weren't for the internet, if it weren't for people being able to digitally download the show whenever they want, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't even be talking. And I get it. I totally get it. The new infrastructure is here. It's been here. Yes, you are the future. They did you a favor when they blocked you from mainstream, like they did me, but I did main media, but they blocked me after that. I say, thank you. They gave me the internet, which was the biggest mistake in the world. It's the same mistake that IBM and Xerox made when Apple and Microsoft was born because they didn't understand what a mouse was. They turned down the mouse. And they atrophied them out of business. And Microsoft and Apple became the biggest billion-dollar corporations in the world. Same thing, they did a favor to you. Thought they were being smart. And I want to tell you something interesting. I have a company called The Rainmaking Company, and we bring products to the market, and we package products. It's also a consulting base. And what's interesting is that I cannot tell you how many authors that come to us They are completely hypnotized that they have to go through the traditional publishers. I said, why? You can name your book, dress your book, put it out. You can seed it. You can water it. You can get your testimonials. And actually, most publishers past six months are barely interested in the authors that just came out with the books. They're on to the next one. My dear friend who wrote a movie, by the way, that was also stolen from, She produced, directed, and wrote it, and then a big distribution house and movie house stole the entire thing, repackaged, and renamed it. She kept going, trying to get an agent and having to have a big publisher. I said, why? Put it together. Get it ready. Let's title it. We'll package it. We'll put it out there strategically. We'll water it, and you can go around, and we'll get you infused where you want to be infused. I mean... This is the rainmaking. This is it. All bets are off. All the rules are different. And that's really what you're mirroring here. And I see you as a kindred spirit. Yeah, you are the future. You are the future. And what you're telling them, you are a visionary. And you're telling them the absolute truth. And you're trying to get them to see that they're trying to join a dying company. It's also true, Sophia, in direct art. I had an artist that I represented that was absolutely hypnotized. He had to be in the galleries. I said, why? Your imaging should go on everything from mouse pads to screensavers to shirts to jackets. Who cares if your imaging is beautiful and great and stimulating? Get your imaging into people's homes with the stuff they use. Don't make the galleries your lords. 
And it's true also in finance. I've spent 33 years preparing to launch something about financing things because people are convinced they have to give their entire business plans to people they don't know, who have no commitments to them, their intellectual property, how they're going to do what they're going to do to people that are not even cleared to have the trust to be able to see it because that's the venture capital model. It's over. It's over. And financing for next generation product, services, businesses, and solutions have arrived. That's right. It's all coming to the internet. Everything that you're telling them and they're not listening, they're going to be left behind. I'm sorry, but there are certain people who are going to hear what you have to say and they're going to do it and they're going to be successful. And the ones that don't forget about them. Oh, I do. And I have. I have. Believe me, I never chase clients. And I'll tell you something. We also sit and help people make their deals, form their deals, and close their deals. And I'll tell you what. (laughs) I'll tell you what. I relate to the part of you that has foresight, that's visionary, that's highly gifted, that's led from God, works by way of the heart, but brings it all together into a synthesis. It's an honor to hear you speak and for you to be alive at this time in history, doing what you're doing very invigorating. It's huge. The days of all of us having to go to really an antiquated model for everything, antiquated models for doing business, terrible protocols, processes that are inhuman, deceptive ways of doing business, the way things are structured, etc. It's old finance capital deceptive crap. That is who has been financing most of the works. It's VC modeled stuff. What have you done before? Do you have a name? Have you done this before? And that has been the deal, the shitty deal that entrepreneurs take to get their ventures financed. I'm going to tell you something. When the public is ready for a totally different kind of financing and is willing to cut the ties with these parasites, they will find a next generation of organisms of everything, every type of project, every type of business, every type of venture, every type of solution and discovery that they never imagined was possible. And because you know, and I know listening to you, that you and I live in a magnetic field that is unequivocal physics. When people get that, it's physics that is forming what's next. And it is not all this belief in antiquated, vile, parasitic, systematic stuff. The most creative people on earth are going to be totally liberated, making money, laughing all the way to the bank, and working with the souls they're guided to work with. And we will have the infrastructure, the financing, and the beautiful ways we come together like never before. It is rainmaking time. Everything you said is unequivocally 100%. They're nothing but parasites, and they're getting put out of business. Thank you. That was the most beautiful speech. Thank you. And it's 100% unequivocally the truth. 28 years of my groundwork. And let me tell you, I brought products to market under the nose of a major competitive country. And if they found out what was happening in any way, shape, or form, the venture would have failed. I have watched $25 million projects go bad because of the way that they were operating and thinking in their consciousness when something could have been very successful. I've watched the way people do what they do. There is no having one foot in the old paradigm and one foot in something else like checking it out. 
It is truly a letting go of everything that is parasitic. The thing is that most of our, quote, attorneys, tax people, our business consultants are still lodged in the old parasitic system of ways and means. And then they want to do, quote, the new consciousness. They want to do new deals, new stuff, but they are stuck and mired in the parasitic ways and means. And I call that the wimp system because when you're in a rainmaking system, it's a generative system. It's generating. You're working with a generative force. And the excitement is that in a magnetic field, a generative force optimizes and grows and gets bigger and bigger and bigger the more people that are in it. It literally has a life of its own. So it's very interesting. People want to form a revolution in venture capital or a revolution in finance, but they want to finance their ventures in the same corrupt currency that was seized in the middle of the night that changed the nature of U.S. currency. They want to form it in that type of a pH. And I tell them, no, the raymaking company will not form a next generation project or venture or bring a solution in, in a fake money that's been stolen, that's criminal. We're off the grid. We're not doing it. And therefore, the legal structure associated with a next generation venture that's off the grid, we don't get involved in criminal theft in any type of payment system that is a violation of everything human and decent. But people are stuck. They want to continue to do the same thing over and over and over again and plant their great works in corrupt stuff. And I won't do it. And I'm so happy to meet you because I've been waiting for people like yourself, and I'm sure there's others like you and myself out there that agree with that, because we can make a lot of progress happen and hear the world the way it's supposed to be. I'm truly honored. And I want to tell you, I have knives in my back from 33 years of doing the groundwork to prepare for what's coming. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm ready for the laughter. I'm ready for the fun. I'm ready to do deals with honorable people. I'm ready to celebrate the heck out of the fact that it's doable and it is time to do honorable, glorious, divine deals that are whole systems where people come together, create great works, make money. You have to really care that people are valued for what they bring to the table and finance capital doesn't. Let me give you an example of how the rainmaking company does business when people ask us to raise money. The first thing that I did is I kicked the ass out of something called the Lehman formula. The Lehman formula says the more you raise, the less you get. Who came up with that? That's finance capital. It's parasitic. So what people have asked me to do, because they know I can raise money, You can't really raise money legally in the United States without a securities license. That's the first part of stopping people like me of bringing money into ventures. Oh, you have to be at a brokerage firm. Well, there's a new law that came in now. So now you don't have to have a securities license to do that. It was an act that was passed in January of 2013. So you can raise money. You don't have to work through a brokerage firm. That's A. B, People ask to raise money and they say, we're not going to pay you till you deliver. Really? You're going to take my time. What do you think? You just go through a Rolodex. There's a certain venture capitalist in the Rolodex for every single type of venture on earth. It doesn't work that way. 
the people that do have the money that are basically saying, we want you to stop doing what you're doing. We want you to focus on us. And we want you to present my project or our project to the people that are the most optimal to finance it and to work with the kind of terms and conditions that we're talking about. That is a different ball of wax. You have to have some mastery in communications. You have to have seasoning. You have to have maturity. You have to have navigational capability. You have to have tact. You have to have diplomacy. You have to be willing to get on planes, trains, and automobiles in a moment's notice. And once a rainmaker makes a commitment to deliver something, their lives never let up. When I make a commitment to do something, my life is never the same. It does not leave me alone until delivery time. So I'm very careful what commitments I make for clients or associates or anybody. But once we make a commitment, it's on and we're on. So the first thing we got rid of is we kicked the ass out of the Lehman formula. Nobody's going to sit here and tell me after 33 years of work that Somebody like me should not be retained to represent your glorious body of work and see to it that it is shepherded and communicated to the right people that are worthy of the project. A, who's discerning that? That's why I take a retainer. Secondly, just because I get a project or we get a project in front of someone with financing doesn't mean anything if, in fact, We don't have power of attorney to make the deal. They may not like the CEO. They may not like the COO. Somebody could piss them off. Is it my problem if I bring them to the most glorious sources on earth and some schmuck makes a stupid comment and blows the whole thing after six months or a year of work and I don't get paid? No way. I had it happen. When I went to raise money for an energy power plant, the CEO, I sign the deal. I send it to major people all over the world. He goes to China, doesn't tell me. Why doesn't he tell me? Because he doesn't have to. Why? Because he's not paying a retainer. He has no stake in it. I'm another schmuck for him. Uh, He goes to China. I get a major investor, and I got to deal with a COO with no social skills. What do you think I did to that guy? I pulled out and told him to take a hike. Nobody's going to treat me like that or anybody like me. Now, there are some people that can't pay. I get it. But let me tell you something. At the time of the money coming, people shift. And unless they're spiritually elevated, matured old souls, they're going where the money is. And what does finance capital say about people that are the intermediaries or people that are bringing it forward? Forget them. They're just a salesperson. You don't need to pay them. Oh, wow. It happens on both sides. There's no incentive for a rainmaker who's delivering a commitment to get paid. There are a million brokers who can't get paid. Bedroom brokers. It's about getting paid. So I have an entire way. Trust me when I tell you, when we sit down and talk, we're going to rock and roll because I have every facet of this covered. Whatever you take, I take no names. Every facet of the process from the finance, what we're calling finance. People are doing deals with not even real money. (laughs) That's right. And then they have lawyers. They have traditional lawyers who represent the courts and not them. Scared shitless to defend anybody that may rock the boat and lawlessness in the midst. And then everybody says they want to be involved in new consciousness. Really? 28 years I'm out there. Not one person has said, 
the rainmaking company, we love it. We want to join you. We get it. You're it. This is it. It's a whole system. You cannot create a new without an entirely new system. It's a whole systems approach to everything, to everything. You want to build in, you know how you talked about the greed factor? We built in the greed factor. We expect greed ad nauseum from people. We built it into the process. We expect it. We don't want it. We expect it. We expect people on the way to the money to shift gears and not keep their agreements. We expect people to sign agreements and not keep them. That's human nature. We expect people to be bought off. We're ready for them. I love it. Go ahead. Because you know what? You reminded me of the scripture. Remember what God says in the scripture? You can't put old wine into new wine skins. It'll burst the bag. You have to put the new wine in the new wine skin. And you're bringing in the new, and you're trying to tell these people they can't mix the old with the new. Sending off business plans. People say, send me your business plan. I said, never. You're not getting anything. You don't deserve it. Who are you to ask me for my game plan for delivery? Who are you? I love it. I love it it because they want to take your business plan and use it and think you some sucker. Oh, I love it. Every facet of an organism and structure and consciousness with imbues it must be harmonically coherent. And if they're not, there is a major problem. We live at a time in global systemic transition in human history. I'm contextualizing this where we are all undergoing this tremendous transition, myself included. So we are part of what is until we can get the extraction to be complete. We will be connected, but we do not dance to the tune of what 90% of the public is dancing to. I have been there. When deals are about to close, major, major industrial money coming forth. And I have watched human nature do what it does. I have no illusions about how people shift when they smell the money. I'm ready for yeah, them. Yeah, they lose their mind. Okay. They lose their mind. Greed. Well, I'm going to share a quick story. I'm told by a client who's going to an insurance firm in Beverly Hills, whose owner, we had the same tennis teacher. I was a former tournament tennis player for 13 years. Anyway, I find out that this guy has a back-end legal team, and they are doing death bonds They are selling basically derivatives to people that are over 65 and then turning around and selling the notes off. When AIDS became known, the insurance industry recognized that there was an opportunity to sell death bonds to AIDS patients. So what they said, they looked actuarially, they said, look, you're going to last only four or five years. So we're going to sell you a policy. We'll take 70% or 60%. You can have your 40% now. The person dies. They're sitting with 60% of the policy within five years. Loads of investors on the back end. Here it is. So I find out about this. They're representing that all the universities are in it, academics are in it, this one's in it, that one's in it. So I go and I said, I'm going to bring a billionaire. Let's do a policy since businesses are in this. I'm going to bring a billionaire from London. And I said to the guy on the phone, let's suppose the guy from London calls you and he says, let's do it, but kick Kim Greenhouse. I don't want to pay her. That's bullshit. 
She's just a connector. Get her out of it. What are you going to say to him? It's very quiet on the phone. And he says, well, I'm going to give you a call. And I said, yeah. And then what? And then we're going to talk about it. And I said, what are we going to talk about? Well, what we're going to do? I said, why don't you know what we're going to (laughs) do? I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Unfortunately for you, sir, you're in the wrong business. I'm in the rainmaking business. We keep our word. The fact that you have to give me a call and figure it out, and you don't tell this asshole that you're not going to do business with him and walk away from him is a problem for me. Thank you very much. And I hung up on him. And this is a born-again Christian telling me this. I don't listen to what people tell me about their religious stuff because inaction is all I care about. Do they integrate it? What they show you. And so what I'm saying to you is I am the real deal. And I am ready to rock and roll with the right souls who are matured, who know that we can prosper magnificently doing things properly and doing things honorably, that we don't have to be the parasites that run this planet. That's right. And the parasites are going to be put out of business, I guarantee you. That's where they're going. Well, it's more like an atrophied system. The system is imploding. It's atrophying. It doesn't matter that most of the civilians are running around doing transactions with fake money. There is no money. It's all fake. Believe me, I know. (laughs) I know. We all have to await our own timing on things. But what I'm saying to you is I recognize you as a kindred spirit. I get it. I receive you. And I respect you. And you have way more courage in some ways than I have had the opportunity to express. But I will tell you that I have had my run-in in the legal system. And I told in 2006 when a client turned on me at the final hour, all over money, whose product I brought to the market, he died two years later from lying of cancer of the mouth. It caught up with him like I told you. Sure. Yeah, cancer of the mouth. But the thing that I want to tell you is that I do believe in my heart that the deals that are truly yours will be yours. And nobody can take those away. The divine deals are yours. They're given and they're gifted. You get them by grace. And so when you operate with that, and I operate from my heart as intense as I am, I'm really led by my heart. I know and I trust, I really implicitly trust that the deals that are sent by grace are the ones I want. Those are the ones I want. I look forward to meeting you very soon. (laughs) Yeah, I look forward to meeting you too because I truly understand you. Once you start talking and your experience, I mean, I knew right away that we were kindred spirits, and we are on the same page. I mean, I've had frustrations the same way. I've seen a lot of my deals wrecked by the crooked lawyers. I sent that conspiracy stuff over to you so you could see that I had big deals on the table. In rainmaking vernacular, we say that the terms and conditions of everything— Reveal the consciousness you're interacting with and you're dancing with. So the key to attracting more of the right people is in the terms and conditions and your processes and protocols, which become the magnetic blueprint, the magnetic field, so to speak, for attracting the other people, the other type of souls who are already imbuing the consciousness that's moving you. It's a funny thing because if you don't accept physics and you don't accept and understand consciousness, this sounds very otherworldly. But I know that you know from listening to you that basically there's a coming together and there is a gravitational field 
for a totally different whole systems approach to doing business where it all is being revamped and has to be revamped and it is ready to go. We are ready to rock and roll with those souls that are ready, that want to do stuff differently, that want to do stuff that not only sets precedent, but really creates a vortex of attraction and excitement and loveliness that keeps building upon itself. It's not just doing a project or two because everybody's hashing that out. The thing is to set up things that are so glorious that they keep rolling. And that's what I'm interested in. And that's why you being a paralegal and the kind of knowledge and experience and wisdom that you have and what you're putting forth is so important. I've been hesitant to call the criminals the criminals. I tend to be more diplomatic that way. I can refer to it. And I admire your strength and your willingness to just say it, what it is. And I applaud you and thank you for that. Well, let me tell you something. The reason why I can do it is unequivocally I have proof that I can turn around and back it up. Believe me, Kim, I don't say anything loose and just off the hat. When I say something, I can back it up. That's why I speak firmly and strongly and I call these crooks out. Because they know damn well I'm packing. I got the goods on them, baby. (laughs) You'll need security, I'm sure, in a year. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, I wouldn't say nothing, Kim. Let me tell you something. If I don't have any proof or I don't know something, I humble myself and I say, Kim, I don't know. I can't say that. I can't speak on that. I speak the truth about stuff. But when I know that somebody and I got the proof to back it up, oh, baby, I'll be right in their face. I have a last question for you before we close. Google has put out a library project where they're collecting as many books and putting it in the Google library and amassing it as possible. Kind of like the seed vault in Europe, okay? They're doing their version of the seed vault, only their seeds are other people's books. One of the complexities of this is that many people's books have been turned into ebooks and are available on the Google library for free. This really upsets me. I have such respect for authors. I am an author myself, an up-and-coming author, and I am a writer, and I have such respect for people that can bring a body of work into a package like a book. And I feel that writers and authors are in tremendous jeopardy with this Google Library project because people's works are showing up in it. What do you think about that? Are they selling the books on this Google? No. How is it benefiting the authors to have their work on this Google? It's not. Google is just putting them on the library project. Someone is converting people's books to the library project and they're showing up there for free. Why would somebody pay 40 bucks for something when they can just take it from Google? And it really upsets me. Oh, well, see, that's why you shouldn't put it because they're going to try to do that also. Try to put it out there for free. And that's a bad thing to do because an author should be paid for it. Absolutely. That's my whole point. Work shouldn't be free. And the Google thing is, uh, I believe they're trying to do that because everybody that they can't get a foothold in, they want to put their work out there for free to prevent them from making more money. You know what I'm saying? Because if you can get it for free, why buy it? Well, I understand that. To me, it represents a threat to the authorship marketplace. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's what they want to do. Is there anything you'd like to say in closing, Sophia? Anybody who want to know how to protect their work 
or how to turn adversity around to victory, contact me. I'm trying to help and empower as many people as possible. When people read my work, they will know that I was a creative genius that created the work, Matrix and Terminator, and the writer of that work, and that all people need to empower themselves and stop letting people do things to them. That we have the power. We are the people. We have the power. Stand up for yourself. You don't need a whole army to defend you. You can defend yourself with the truth, and others will come to help you because they came and helped me. Mother of the Matrix, Sophia Stewart, it's a great pleasure and an honor to meet you and to dialogue with you today. Thank you so much for your contributions and your continued contributions. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. If any of you would like to contact Sophia Stewart, you can go to truthaboutmatrix.com and also matrixterminator.com. Yes, matrixterminator.com. And for all those who want a hard copy, go to Amazon. and You'll find my book, The Third Eye and Matrix 4, Cracking the Genetic Code. It's a great pleasure. Thank you so much, Sophia Stewart. It's rainmaking time. Yes, it's rainmaking time. It's rainmaking time. Thank you very much. Thank you, time. <laughs> You're welcome.